Hello, everybody, and welcome to Lessons Learned. This is episode 19. We're still going over Jordan Peterson's book, Maps of Meaning, and I'm Dylan. And I'm Evan. And in today's episode, Jordan Peterson delves into two different ways that people act out evil. And he goes into how they are equally destructive. Then he argues that these specific ways of acting out evil had disastrous consequences in the 20th century that cannot be forgotten. Okay. All right, we're going to start this episode just like the last one yeah. with uh, an answer from last week's episode. Um, so I'll read that question real fast. Yeah, go for it. Last week, we asked, clearly according to Jordan Peterson, we are all capable of evil. Do you think that evil is therefore a part of human nature? And this episode, or uh, sorry, this answer comes in again anonymously, but from one of you guys, y'all watching, you could be picked next time. Um, and this is the answer. Personally, I've said there's no such thing as bad people, just bad decisions. Meaning people aren't purely bad. They just make habits of decisions that hurt people. So to me, evil is a byproduct of human nature. The ability to do evil is, is part of human nature, which I believe is what Mr. Peterson is getting at. I have a little bit of beef. Yeah, go for it. Beef it up. So... Like struggling off. Well, first of all, I do. I agree that people aren't purely bad mm-hmm. because we do all have good in us. But to say that evil is a byproduct of human nature mm-hmm. is just to say that evil is a part of human nature. Yes. Because if it's just a byproduct that exists, then it has to be a consequence of the thing. And so it is part of the thing. Yeah. At least in this, there could be other situations where that's a different. No, I would agree. Um, and like, like exhaust is a byproduct of a car, but it's still like part of a car. Like, mm-hmm. and maybe I mean, I think maybe the distinction is just being made that the evil isn't in the human nature, mm-hmm. but the ability to do evil is the part of human nature, mm-hmm. which is an important distinction. Mm-hmm. And that maybe I disagree. I think it is just part of human nature we've really thrown you on the loop for this one well yeah it's a philosophical question i don't know i love philosophical questions though i like them what do you think oh i was hoping i mean that your beef was was gonna be a little longer no i mean i just no i just think my beef is evil as a byproduct of human nature means that evil is a part of human nature look i i think in my opinion I think people, uh, if you make a decision that hurts people, I would argue, not always, but often, it can be subjective, especially in today's culture. Mm -hmm. I'm offended, I'm offended, I'm offended. Mm -hmm. I mean, Jordan Peterson right now, and hopefully by this time. Wait, hold on. I just thought the other part of my beef. Yes. Is that... Starting off. Saying that it's the ability to do evil, The uh, specifically the ability part implies that you don't have to do it. Mm Mm-hmm. I think day to day, that's true. Mm-hmm. We don't have to do it. Yeah. But it is not possible for us to be perfect. Right. No, so it's not. Therefore, we have to be at some point doing evil. 
Yeah. Well, again, like I was saying, it's subjective. There's so many people that are easily offended. Mm-hmm. You could be the most evil person ever in somebody's eyes because everything you've ever done has offended them. Mm-hmm. But in a more objective, unbiased perspective, all you've ever done is good things. Again, not a perfect individual, but all you've ever done, at least in honest, good-hearted attempts, is good, positive things. Mm-hmm. So I think that when you hurt somebody... that's up to interpretation, I would say. Mm -hmm. Not always, again, like stabbing somebody that would hurt anyone, unless you're Superman, which, no. But But also, if you stab Superman, you're not really stabbing him because it's not penetrating his skin. That's why I said, unless you're Superman. Right. You can't hurt him. Yeah, but... You might hurt his feelings, though. To be completely honest, I bet he... If you walked up to Superman and you just tried to stab him, I bet he'd be like... He'd be a little upset. Yeah, like, I'd be sad. Yeah. If I was invincible to knife stabs, if I was invincible in general, and you, my friend Evan, came up and, like, stabbed me, but didn't know I was invincible, I'd be like... Really? Oh. Well, yeah. I'd be sad. Yeah. So, you... you No, you hurt Superman. You hurt him in a emotional a way. A deeper way. It, it's a deeper cut, really. Emotional wounds are slower to heal. <laughs> Especially when you're Superman. <laughs> it's, I think it's the funniest part, because Evan has no emotions. He's actually a robot. I don't. He doesn't. He doesn't know what sentimental value is, which kills me a little bit because I have a lot I know of sentimental value. No, you don't. You don't understand. I what just it don't is. prioritize it. No, as much it's, as you. it's not a priority. It just is. It <laughs> no, just it's exists. fine. Look, let's get into some stuff. <sighs> okay, let's talk about fascists. This is why we talk about books, guys. You know what I mean? <laughs> let's talk about fascists. Yeah. So, Fascism is just the opposite of socialism, but they're both at the same part of the circle. So that's related, (laughs) but he talks about two kind of main categories of people that commit evil. Okay. Or the ones that specifically, I was going to say something, just blurred it, but I was worried about demonetization. That's fine. That's probably good. (laughs) Um, the, the people that tried to get rid of the unknown because they're scared of it and stuff. By the, I wanted to say, I usually don't like to recommend this because it's a pain for some people. If like you're limited on time, we get that. Mm-hmm. But I would recommend going back and watching the last episode if you haven't before this one, mm, because yeah, yeah. there's a lot of stuff that's going to directly relate to this. So I would just go back to make sure you understand that one. And the whole thing, it's interesting. It's all about evil yeah, and lying and how we do it with ourselves. So I would just go back as and, a preface. And honestly, I personally, I would go back and um, start with episode one and watch them all. That's a long time. I wasn't going to say that. I Well, somebody had to. Right. It wasn't going to be a our commenter. Plug. That's our plug. That's our plug. That, Go back and, and watch Today's all ad was sponsored to you by Lessons Learned. Watch, yeah. out, watch all our episodes from 1 to 19. 19. Okay. Let's get into fascism. Back to the show. So fascists are people that are scared of the unknown. And so they fatally attempt to operate only based on tradition Ignoring the potential of the heroic process of adaptation. So the way that these people try to survive is they're so scared of the unknown that they kind of try to identify with a group Mm -hmm. and use the experiences that have been learned previously of the group so that they themselves don't have to deal with the unknown. So the way to say... Is that exclusive to fascists? That's what he's defining a fascist as. Interesting. So he uses it a little bit outside the scope of where we normally think about fascism. Yeah, I was, was going to say I'd use other words that aren't any of those. But... Yeah, so this is the way he's using the word. 
Okay. Um, he says fascists aim therefore for pure identification with the group. Mm-hmm. So they try to remove all of the chaos mm-hmm. by only focusing on the order. Yeah. Okay. Uh, they try to restrict uncertainty mm-hmm. and evade the unknown. Mm-hmm. And he does talk about them also being like Nazi fascist. Yes. Kind of stuff. That's how um, I'm actually trying to apply this definition right now. Yeah. So he says underneath the fascists professed patriotism mm-hmm. and cowardly love of order is the even more profound phenomenon hatred for the tragic conditions of existence and for the vulnerable life that makes those conditions evident. So pretty much what they're trying to do is like I said, use, use patriotism, use the group, use tradition so that they just never have to think about the unknown. Yeah. And when the unknown comes up, they will just deny it or suppress it. Um, and obviously that's not avoidable. Right. Or I mean, yeah, that's unavoidable. Yeah. Um, cause lying is bad. Yeah. Do not lie. Period. This is technically yeah. the fourth time. You've if you that. watched last week's episode, maybe you'd get the joke. <laughs> wow. Okay. Incentives. Um, you have to I'm just going to incentivize them. I don't know how to transition out of that. So I'm just going to bring up a quote. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, following, We've all been there. <laughs> uh, following in the footsteps of others seems safe. Right. And requires no thought. But it is useless to follow a well-trodden trail when the terrain itself has changed. <sighs> what do you think? I like that. I, I No, I really like that. I think that is like, um, if you want to talk about like what's going on in today's atmosphere. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> If you look at the um, the percentage of people that identified as anything other than male or female mm-hmm. from, oh, I don't know, maybe not today, it was a very small, mm. very small number. What's your point? That the people nowadays are just following this trend mm. because it gets you attention. So, but that trend isn't always good. I see what you're saying. That doesn't quite relate to this. Oh, I failed. Just because this is specifically talking about tradition. Oh, it's relating to the things that have already been. Like making cookies on Christmas? Sure. Like tradition? Sure. Okay. I guess. Okay. It's just identification with a group so that you don't have to face the unknown yourself. Right. How is that not what I was... It can be, but I think maybe it's not wrong, but the way he talks about it and he's going to talk about it, especially in the 20th century, mm-hmm. is more of the history and tradition based. Okay. I'm curious to see where he goes with this. So, any thoughts about the fascist? Um, Nazis are bad. Yes, that is correct. Um, <laughs> that is all. Well, then the next one we have is the decadent. That's not so. That what I a decadent is like. I don't remember if he uses the word or not. It's like a nihilist. Like nihilism, you think nothing matters, everything's meaningless. Yeah, and I won't do my bit song again. A decadent is like that. So uh, they. So just say why doesn't he use nihilist though? I don't know. He likes his own words. He says decadence, like words too. decadence reject order itself as they identify with nothing Okay. Um, because nothing matters. Those who think that things do have value are, quote, clearly diluted, weak, and despicable. So pretty much the way that these people think is like I'm smarter than everyone else. They see they, they think that things matter. 
I understand that things don't matter. So I'm better than all of them. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you can't you can't look me in the eyes and say that. Why? Not that's expect what it is. me to laugh. So that what so that's how the decadence opposite from the fascists. That is is they are trying to fully identify with order. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. These guys are fully identifying with chaos and they're rejecting order outright. And I fully identify with neither. Right. That would be good. That's the preferable <laughs> okay. way. So are the I assume this is like polar opposites. Yes. This is this is these are like the the polar opposites in terms of order and chaos. Yeah. The hero would probably be more so one foot in each yeah. camp. Kind of like Mace Windu. Make it work. Oh, you explain want, it. Oh, okay. So Mace Windu. Um, for those of you who are Star Wars nerds, you know exactly where I'm th- going with this. Other than the fact that Samuel L. Jackson was like, I want a purple lightsaber. There is actually a reason for him and his character having a purple lightsaber and what Mace Windu does. Basically what Mace Windu is, and some nerds going to correct me because I'm definitely going to get this specific wrong. But Mace Windu believed in both the good and bad of the force, the light mm-hmm. and the dark. And what you end up seeing is like a Soko Tano becomes a gray Jedi. That's what I was going to bring up next. Yes. So Mace Windu is actually one of the, like, I don't know if he's the first, but I know Ahsoka Tano um, is a gray Jedi. And I know Mace Windu did do that practice is he mm-hmm. looked at the dark side of the force to see what there was to offer, not as like a temptation thing, but to learn from it and to use what is only looked at as like, this is all bad. This is a wall of bad. And he was like, well, no, so like, what is there to learn from this? Mm-hmm. You know, one foot and but I, I feel was, like Mace I Windu feel like, like a toe in it. Like Ahsoka's like, nope, I'm standing in the middle. Standing well, I was wondering if she'd be what he would call a decadent, where she's kind of like, I'm above all of this, identifying with a group. You know. Okay. Full there's... disclosure: I never finished the Clone Wars series, okay, I didn't so either. I can't strongly speak for Ahsoka. No, but I watched Mandalorian, and she's in that. And she's just on her own on that one planet. Yeah, but I wouldn't say that's like a decadent. It's not like she's like nothing matters. She's just like, well, the Jedi Order is an extreme. But she's she's kind of rejecting both sides. Yes. So she's in the middle. But I don't think so because the way he's talking about it, the hero would be in the middle. And she's certainly not the hero because she took her foot out of order. She doesn't. You just, but you just said that. No, no, no. no. What I mean by that is. Order and chaos. But I don't. I guess my argument is I don't think the Sith are chaos. I think that they're just evil they're both sides are order they're just orders on different extremes yes and i think she's opposing both of the order correct and she's identifying with chaos see i wouldn't say she identifies with chaos then what does she identify with because it's not order it's balance no yes that's what the great jedi is all okay, about. okay so where's the order where's do the order you don't need order it's balance do you what are you balancing ha- does the hero what are you have balancing? order yes the, okay does they do they have chaos? Yes. Is that called balance? Yes. There you go. Oh no. Okay. Yes. If that's true, then where is the balance with order and chaos for Ahsoka? Well, it's not because it's not like she goes around just murdering everyone. No. She, she has. I'm she, saying she, that she's abstaining from the order, though. Right. Completely. But how? Okay. Then how is she completely where, delving into chaos? Because she's accepting that identifying with any sort of order is bad. Okay. But how is that fully put into <laughs> chaos? Because, because it's not like she doesn't try to do good. Chaos doesn't mean you don't try to do good. Well, okay. Maybe the way he's talking about it, it leads to that. Mm-hmm. But she's explicitly not identifying with order. Yes. So my point is she can't be balanced. I. But that's the whole point of the gray Jedi. Like the 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 Jedi, there's like cuts, But I right? think that's not between order and chaos. That balance is between good and evil. Yeah. 
Jedi and Sith. Okay. That's the balance there. It's yeah. not between order and chaos. Right, but like I, I still it's disagree. Fine. It's fine. You know what? It's Star Wars. You know what? What? You got Lord of the Rings wrong. Okay. Mm-hmm. So okay. I'm, I'm just gonna go on a limb and say, me as the guy with two lightsabers. Uh huh. They're definitely not fake lightsabers. I know a thing or two more about Grey Jedi. No, you don't. Okay, let's talk more about decadence, like a not Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> so I quit. So yeah, decadence. Aim for no identification with the group. Okay. The decadent sees society and ideas of the past as inferior, typically, which is interesting, he points out, as an article of faith and without proof. So they don't really have any proof to say that the past or other societies and stuff are inferior. Mm-hmm. They just act like it is. Hmm. Um, the reason that they do this stuff, because we know we know that the fascists do this because they're fearful of the unknown so they're trying to identify with like as much order as they can right the decadent doesn't want to believe in some sort of order Mm -hmm. because life does suck Mm -hmm. but they can pretend like it doesn't because nothing matters and that's what they just tell themselves wait so so the decadents are like it's like the south park version of what emo or god kind of i don't remember what the difference is yeah so it he says um they refuse to be the fool who risks belief. Mm. And a good example See, that he brought up earlier is Tolstoy. Because there's the one part where that we read where Tolstoy was talking about how he knew that what he was doing, mm-hmm. the way he saw the world, nothing yeah. mattered. Yeah. But he still couldn't do the Christian thing. Right. Because that meant he had to believe in something that wasn't rational. And he just couldn't do it. So he'd rather believe that nothing matters... Mm-hmm. And I'd never identify with a group because he feels like he's by himself. Mm-hmm. He'd rather do that and be in the middle of chaos mm-hmm. than risk being the fool and risk believing. That seems... I shouldn't say that we're dumb. That seems silly. Well, it's more cowardice is what he argues. Really? Yeah. You're you're too scared to believe in something. Is that why, is that, do you think that would have had a huge proponent to him becoming a Christian? Is this the part you were talking about? What? JP? Yeah. Um. He is JP. Do you mean the not being willing to risk belief? No, no, no. no. Well, if he believes that, if you don't risk belief, if he says that's cowardice, Mm -hmm. then he himself would have to be a cowardice to not, or a coward rather, to not accept Christ. Oh, maybe. I don't know. I think for a long time he wasn't being cowardly as much as... I'm not going to call Jordan Peterson a coward, first of all. that Let's make that clear right now. No, Jordan Peterson is... I think... Jordan Peterson's, as the, the hip kids say today, a giga-chad. Exactly. <laughs> so, no, I think it was more of... Faith can be hard. Yeah. When you're fully logic, when you're all logically driven. So I think yeah. his might have been, I don't want to speculate again, but I think his might have been more like, got to go through all the other options and, and eliminate them Yeah, until you get to the one that you can't eliminate. Which I feel like is like something like, like Solomon, King Solomon from Ecclesiastes did that. Mm-hmm. He's like, I'm going to go through every single possible outcome. And thing I can do, yeah. And, and figure it out. And then, so... For anybody that is like unaware as I was until like two weeks ago, 
uh, King Solomon did literally everything. Like, I can't express how many, what, he had 700 wives and, like... I think it was 500, but... 500 and then, like, 200-something else. Concubines? Concubines. And then he had, like, all the money in the world. He threw parties of, like, enormous extent. And, like, to just summarize, King Solomon did more than anything fathomable in today's world, even if you were Jeff Bezos. Like, it's mm. it's an insane amount of stuff. Um, and at the conclusion of it, after all of all of the nights with women, after all the parties, after all the riches, after literally everything, mm-hmm. he was just like, there is no point to this yeah, at all whatsoever. And the only solution is Christ. Yeah. Because that's the only one that is more than temporary. Mm-hmm. That is the only one that's eternal. That's the only one that ends up logically making sense if you've gone down literally every single rabbit hole, mm-hmm. which I think is something to be said. For those that are on the fence, that there are people out there smarter than us, smarter than you, that have gone down every single rabbit hole. Mm-hmm. I promise. Yeah. No. And I mean, that's part of what Jordan Peterson said in his Exodus series. We were trying to find it. It was in mm-hmm. one of his trailers and we couldn't nail down which episode it was in and we couldn't find the trailer again. Yeah. But he says how he turned to God Yeah. Well, in that episode. Yeah. He said something, something, something. And that's why I came to the faith. Yeah. Um, and we really wanted to share it, but we didn't have time to watch 18 hours in like yeah. a day. Yeah. So we are going to watch the series. We definitely are. We're both interested, but, and we'll let you know where it is. Um, it's really intriguing, yeah. but so I want to move on cause we yeah. haven't gotten through a ton. No, but we've had some funny conversations yes. because I'm right about Ahsoka. Okay. <laughs> Let's get into the 20th century. Okay. So he quotes Jung, Carl Jung, as saying, any internal state of contradiction, unrecognized, will be played out in the world as fate. Okay. So pretty much if you have some sort of moral uncertainty Mm -hmm. about like what's true or something like that, that's going to be reflected in behavior. Yeah. It's going to start as word. Mm -hmm. So it's going to be arguments and stuff like that. And then image. And then finally action. Okay. And he thinks that's kind of what culminates in the 20th century with World War II, World War One, and the the Great Leap Forward with the Chinese and then the Soviet Union with the gulags and stuff like that. That's kind of a some sort of contradiction that existed that wasn't dealt with until it escalated into tens of millions of deaths. Okay. So... That's kind of how he starts this section. Interesting. So we'll get into the beginning. Um, I just so everyone knows, I uh, we made some notes so I can kind of follow along, and I'm I'm scared. It's a really good section. It's really good. It's quite and powerful. I'm, uh, I'm scared. So we're starting on concentration camps. That's why I was scared. Yeah, it's not. He talks about it a little bit. The German mm-hmm. concentration camps, but he focuses a lot on Soviet stuff. Okay. Because that's what he was kind of more interested in, it seems like. Did they have concentration camps too? Mm-hmm. Like oh. death camps and stuff. Oh, I did not know that. In gulags, yeah. My education has failed me. But he talks about both. He talks about it overall. So uh-huh. just so people are aware. Yeah. So I'm just going to read what he says here. Tens of millions of innocent people have been dehumanized 
enslaved, and sacrificed in these efficient disassembly lines in the course of the last century to help their oppressors maintain pathological stability and consistency of moral presumption enforced through terror motivated by adherence to the lie. Mm. So kind of what that's talking about in this one really focuses on the Soviets is they killed so many people in these death camps in order to keep the lie propagated that communism worked because communism didn't answer certain moral things like focusing on human nature can be bad Mm -hmm. and that acted itself out because they had to kill tens of millions of people to keep that lie promulgated as long as possible and i think this is why jordan this is exactly why jordan peterson is so passionate about Mm -hmm. telling the truth absolutely because and i think this is again moral constructs coming from christ it, this is why we're told not to lie. Mm-hmm. This is exactly why. And beyond the whole like communism and Christ and it doesn't work and blah, 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 blah. Like if, if you're taking the life of another individual just to continue your lie, who are you? Right. What person are you? Like ask yourself. The would adversary. Five you, would five, yeah, the adversary. <laughs> but like I, I think a, a crazy question um, that more people need to ask themselves if five-year-old you, six-year-old, eight-year-old, whatever you want to mm-hmm. say, if you under 10 saw you today, what would he say? Mm. Good question. Yeah. So, I mean, think about being in the position <laughs> of, like, you lie to these people because the pe- that lie only lasts so long, but you can keep lying to keep the power you have. Mm-hmm. And then you it gets so bad that you start taking the lives of people just so that this lie has sustenance. And five-year-old you goes, well, what are you doing? Yeah. Like, how are you going to answer that? Right. How would how would five-year-old you... I think that's a great general question. How, is, how does five-year-old you see you? Mm-hmm. And you? I mean, yeah, sure, you can argue, well, at five, I didn't, blah, blah, blah. Okay, fine, six, seven, I don't care. Under ten, mm-hmm. pick a number. How do, how do they see you? Mm-hmm. How are they you, react, yeah. yeah. Are you proud? Yeah. You know? Um... For this next little bit, I probably might just lecture at you okay. a little bit to get through it because I think there's more room for discussion towards the end mm-hmm. that will be easier once we sum up kind of this 20th century thing. Okay. If that works. Yeah. And interrupt where you need to, but just keep that in mind. That's kind of my thought. Okay. Um. So he talks about experiences in the concentration camps for the prisoners. He starts with the arrest. Mm-hmm. He compares it to the Paradisal Fall. Mm-hmm. Uh, he says it's unexpected, unjust, arbitrary, implacable, and terrifying. Arrest means instantaneous depersonalization and isolation from family, friends, and social position. So, like in other words, all previous sources of order have been removed. Yeah. No cultural history, no people around you, none of that matters anymore. You've been woken up in the middle of the night by the ss they've broken into your house they didn't give you time to grab your things and they took you shaved your head put a bag on you put you in a wagon and bring you to a death camp yeah everything's gone you don't have anything to rely on and something that really stood out to me was he oh just so people know he quotes a lot of solzhenitsyn here and alexander solzhenitsyn he was he's a russian author that spent a long time in gulags 
Okay. He wrote one day in the I the, in the life of Eisen Denisovich, which can, is a book I read last summer. Can you explain Gulag? Because you say Gulag, and I think like the Call of Duty, like just it's a prison. Okay. It's like a work camp, a prison. Oh, it's work a work place. camp. Yeah. Okay. Where the yeah ter- in Siberia, terrible conditions. Okay. They have to go work all day in negative thirty degree weather. Yeah. That kind of thing. Okay. So harsh prison. Yeah, camp. Very bad. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Got it. Um. But yeah, they would capture people from their houses and bring them to these places to do manual labor out in the cold. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people would die. Yeah. Um. But like one of the things was they couldn't even keep their wedding rings. They had to get rid of those. And Solzhenitsyn talked about how he had his like life's work on it in his uh, jacket. It was like he's a sci- he was a science guy, mm-hmm. so he had a scientific paper or something in his pocket, and he said it was his life's work. And they made him get rid of that, and that's when he realized, like, you don't get to keep anything from your former life. Um, survival in camp life forced individuals, some individuals, to accept conscious, rationalized denial of evident injustice, which made social identification possible, once again, but at the cost of substantial intrapsychic damage. And what that means is... Some of the people in order to survive in the camps pretty much had to rationalize the injustice that was happening mm-hmm. and act like it wasn't injustice and that it was okay so that they could interact within the new social situation. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, they couldn't act at all. Um, but obviously, that would make them like dissociate with themselves because they were right. actively denying the the reality that they are facing and that they were being committed against with injustice Mm -hmm. um and they would actually become crueler if they were given jobs some of them were given kind of like guard jobs Mm -hmm. um he talks about how the result of this sacrifice of rationalizing your own injustice meant adherence to the letter of the law instead of like the spirit of the law what it's meant to do he Mm -hmm. would follow it exactly and just punish people it meant fidelity to the lie like loyalty to the lie Mm -hmm. allegiance to cruelty and deceit and hatred of the good Uh, they couldn't sympathize with other victims of injustice because they couldn't carry out oh because they could not carry out that injustice anymore if they did sympathize Mm -hmm. so they identify with tyranny to avoid moral conflict for this to work they had to identify or they had to deny the injustice committed to themselves and falsify their own experiences and this was just to, some people had to do this to survive. Otherwise they would kind of just, he talks about some people that kind of just like give up. Yeah. And then they just actually like die. Yeah. Like one guy had a vision that they were, their camp was going to be freed mm-hmm. by the Americans or something. It was a German camp mm-hmm. and it was going to be on March 30th mm-hmm. is when it was going to happen. And then the guy was like healthy and stuff, got really sick coming up to march 30th mm-hmm. two days later they weren't saved he died yeah just straight up yep so it's like a psychological thing that becomes so powerful that it is physical and he dies uh i mean i think that's we see that a lot like your brain it, it controls your body mm-hmm. so if you convince your brain of something it'll make it happen mm-hmm. uh, i don't want to interrupt your lecture oh no that's fine m- more so um but <clears throat> I mean, you, you see it and um, you see this a lot like news stories of like 
mom picked up car off of kids mm-hmm. and it's like it's not that your body's not capable of doing these crazy feats it's that your brain won't let you or else mm-hmm. you'll break your body mm-hmm. um i mean you, you know you you and i have experienced this plenty of times in the gym like pulling muscles tearing muscles you know fortunately i um i'm the only one that's had like a bad injury but mm-hmm. and that sucked but uh, like I'm okay. Like my life is relatively normal. I mean, I have back pain, but mm-hmm. other than that, but if your brain was just like unfiltered, like just do whatever you would break bones before mm-hmm. you couldn't do something. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, yeah, like, and, and to tie it a little bit more, like you definitely see situations of like heartbreak, mm-hmm. like somebody dies and then that person I can get sick. Got really sick and then died after because when you just... I think that happens a lot with old couples. Yeah. Is one of one spouse will die and then not long later the other one will. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, well, this was my everything. So like why? Mm-hmm. And so I can't imagine what it's like to be in a camp like that and everything's been stripped away from you. And then it's just like they, like, they know you're going to die. It is mm-hmm. a gulag or concentration camp. It doesn't matter. They know you're going to die. Mm-hmm. That's the point. They're there. And it, it, it's so cowardly to do that to individuals because like, I mean, I'm a firm believer of like, if you're going to open your mouth to somebody and it, you deserve to be punched in the face, you get punched in the face. Mm-hmm. But like, this isn't like getting rocked in the face. This is like somebody like poisoned you knows that you can't do a single thing and then just like rags on you. Right. Knowing that you can't do anything to fight back. And it's all for a lie. Yeah. Yeah. And it is ultimately it's all for a lie, which is just don't lie. Don't lie. Yeah. Yeah. And don't be a coward. I mean, like, come on. So that's kind of talking about what happened in the camps. Mm-hmm. Um, and in, in doing the, denying their own injustice and stuff and being cruel to other people mm-hmm. because they just pretended that it didn't matter. Yeah. Um, in doing so, they eliminate their own possibility for growth. Yeah. Like they can't grow anymore. So that's something to keep in mind with yep. some of the other people. Um, to talk about the massacres more generally mm-hmm. that happened in the 20th century, he says, he says they were not done by animals animalistic people Mm -hmm. or barbarians you know like we might want to portray them that way sure he says the massacres of the 20th century were done by those who were well socialized and obedient yeah and what he says is like this is me paraphrasing some of it but he says man is not just aggressive like we couldn't have done that stuff if we were just aggressive yeah no he says adherence to socialization and domestication so like society and order and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, one sec. One. And here's where I start quoting him. So uh, the adherence to socialization and domestication, uh, quote, enables him to participate in production of the most truly efficient and organized of human evils. It was the discipline of the Germans, not their criminality that made the Nazis fearsome. It was the loyalty patriotism and commitment of the soviet and chinese communists that enabled the mass persecution and the destructive labor camp elimination of their countrymen and his point with that is that those who organized massacres and concentration camps were no different from normal people yeah from us well yeah absolutely so well i think 
<sighs> I have to I have to deep breath or else I'll tirade. <laughs> That's fine. Um I Yeah, no. So I think that's a fortunate thing that we have here in the United States is that the country was founded on the principle that everyone's created equal and that the elected mm-hmm. officials in the government are equal to you. They are no greater and no lesser because mm-hmm. we are all people, which is like a Christian ideology. But that's how this country was founded. Mm-hmm. So when we look at today and we see a lot of people that are like, I don't want gun rights. I don't want freedom of speech. I want some people to have limited speech. I want this and that mm-hmm. and that. You're giving more power to the government in charge and what's going to end up. Well, and some of that's fine. If, sure. if you don't want gun rights, okay. Then don't own it. But what you need to understand is, is it's that, a balanced playing field. Yeah, they aren't just there to... It, they're not just there to scare you. They're not just there to make fun. you upset. They're not there to offend you. They're there because it keeps a balanced playing field. Because when you don't have a balanced playing field, what you have is an imbalance. And when, when there's an imbalance with greedy people in office, right. they're going to take over. And Jordan Peterson's point is that this was the lesson that was learned in the 20th century mm-hmm. as you can't ignore human nature and their capacity for evil. Right. Because if you ignore it, then it will obviously rear its head. Yeah. Well, and like you said, it's not like these men were evil. Mm-hmm. They were just following orders. Right. So if as, uh, and the problem is that they can, they can choose security over having a clean soul. Mm-hmm. That's what a lot of them do. Yeah, well, and I mean, I I think we would see it if there was an issue um, in our country, you would see a lot of confliction Mm -hmm. in the people that would have to back up what the government would want if Mm -hmm. it were so to turn that way. But that's exactly Mm -hmm. the point of the rights we have is to level out that playing field. So things like that are less likely to happen, not impossible, but less likely. And I think that's the important thing to acknowledge. It's not about being offensive. It's not about making you uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. It's literally only about preventing what history has shown us will happen. Right. If it's not prevented. Well, and I think what's really interesting, I think Jordan Peterson would agree with C.S. Lewis based on this quote, Uh, Jordan Peterson. And so I think it's a really good quote. He says, hell is a bottomless pit. And why? Because nothing is ever so bad that we cannot make it worse. Mm. And his point was like the people that are in the concentration camps and stuff, they're already in a terrible situation. Mm -hmm. Some of them absolutely make it worse for themselves and everybody else. And something that C.S. Lewis says in The Great Divorce Mm -hmm. is that his kind of idea in that is that hell is locked from the inside. Mm Mm-hmm. And they make it miserable for themselves. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a good reflection of what happened in the 20th century and what we are always capable of doing. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, you you can always dig a further hole. You can always make a situation worse. Mm-hmm. You know, like, and I, th- I think what you see happen isn't that some, some, some people definitely do make situations worse. I mean, we talked about that last episode, mm-hmm. right? It's just like it's already really bad. So I'm just going to make it worse for myself for, I don't know what reason, but people do it, but panic fear, you know, when, when you're driving a car and uh, slips off the road and goes into water, what's the first thing you do? Oh crap. Oh crap. Oh crap. Oh crap. Oh crap. And now it's halfway underwater. Mm-hmm. Now you can't do anything. And for those of you who don't know, the first thing you need to do is throw open your door as fast as you can. Your car touches the water. You open the door, get out. Because once the car gets so far underwater, 
you can't open the door you're not strong enough it's mm -hmm. just not possible so yeah. then you either have to wait for it to sink or crack the window but you're making the situation worse by not reacting mm -hmm. by being in fear mm -hmm. by being in panic by being in shock yeah well and then what he talks about is some of these people needed to pretty much wholeheartedly identify with the evil or the ideology mm -hmm. and i think that's something that you can see i think it was last episode we talked about harry potter yep and i think you can see we're talking about the fifth movie you can see Minister Fudge as the guy that's too afraid to face the truth. Mm -hmm. I think that you can see Dolores Umbridge, the one that everyone hates. I hate her. The lady in pink. I shouldn't hate because I'm a Christian, but she's fictional, so it's okay, right? You can... I don't know. I don't know. I don't want to talk about that. <laughs> you can see her as the one that is fully convinced of the ideology. And that's why having discernment is so important. Being able to mm -hmm. discern... And that's something that I think, fortunately, our church does a great job of teaching is spiritual discernment, mm -hmm. but also be able to discern, be able to acknowledge that something isn't the way it's supposed to be. Mm -hmm. I mean, come on. Well, and then like, like once the Soviet rule was over, Solzhenitsyn talks about, because he quoted a lot of, it's like pages of Solzhenitsyn. Oh boy. Okay. But he says that these people that really fell for the ideology they really fell into it mm -hmm. and it became their whole lives they needed ideological arguments in order to hold on to a sense of their own rightness mm -hmm. otherwise insanity was not far off because they would realize all the terrible stuff they did yeah and one of the examples that he gives in the book is this one mom gets a letter from her daughter and the daughter was like hey did you do this bad thing mm-hmm because if you didn't actually do this bad thing and they arrested you for no reason, I'm not joining the party. Mm -hmm. And her mom is so convinced of the ideology of the party that she says, yeah, I did it. Even though she didn't. Mm -hmm. Because she cared more about... The party's support. Than the truth. Yeah. <sighs> and in doing so, put her daughter into the party. Yeah. Which was, I'm sure... Bad. So yep. it's, it's crazy how much it overrides. Um, do you have any more thoughts about the 20th century stuff? Just, this is like, I think a lot of people's fears mm -hmm. and I know it sounds crazy. It sounds far fetched. Um, and a lot of people just aren't going to believe me. They're just going to dismiss it, but this could happen to us if we don't believe in the truth, the truth and the rights we have to protect the truth. Mm -hmm. Freedom of speech is pivotal. Mm -hmm. to the truth right well jordan because peterson himself if, talks about how you need to be able to speak yes to figure out what the truth is well and that's what's happening to jordan peterson right now mm -hmm. is that canada is like no you don't get freedom of speech right like literally like it, it, it there's a lot more complexity to it but that is actually what is happening jordan mm -hmm. peterson said some things that's general things that people got offended by and now you, you you can't say those things. Mm -hmm. No freedom of speech. You get some speech. Right. And, and it's it's a dangerous road to go down. Oh, it's it's a volatile road because what you're going to see is either people submit and everybody dies. Well, and I think, let me get on to our last topic mm -hmm. because it, what we're talking about is a good segue into okay. it. And I think you'll really like what he says. Okay. Um. So this is kind of what is evil now that we've looked at all this stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
evil is the process by which the significance of the anomaly or the unknown or the mm -hmm. new thing is denied. The process by which meaning itself, truth itself is rejected. Mm -hmm. I think we would agree with that. That was why the 20th century happened the way it did. Mm -hmm. um, he talks about how some people will confuse evil with the fact. So they want to deny the fact, mm -hmm. but the fact itself can't be evil. Um, which is an important distinction. And here's the one I think you'll like, and we can talk about it a little bit. And this is the last one I have. Okay. Um, he talks about how societies define good and evil according to the goals they're pursuing generally. Mm -hmm. So what he, his quote is, this means that if the individual or the group desires anything more than to live in the light, so to speak, then truth and wisdom become necessarily foreign. Or abhorrent mm. so as soon as you put anything above truth or wisdom or not not so much that um anything more than living in the light yeah which is the truth and stuff living right. in this place where unknown can happen god's light i would agree with that um if you desire to do anything more than that mm -hmm. you're losing truth and you're losing wisdom and something else is going to be placed in front of that well yeah well, it's something similar to um, <clears throat> the book I started reading. Um, Alan Bloom um, is discussing um, how... It's he, like education, right? Yeah, it's about education and stuff. But he's basically discussing about... Um, he's telling an anecdote about a professor that is like, well, my job is to remove all of these students' prejudice. Mm -hmm. And he's like, and what are you replacing that with? And he became incredibly infuriated. Um, and Alan Bloom's point was, well, if you are removing something with no substitution for it, what are you removing? And we see that in habits as well. Mm -hmm. I remember when my mom stopped smoking cigarettes and she started using lollipops. Mm. And she started putting on weight because that's just a lot of sugar in right. regards to replacing cigarettes. Yeah. And I mean, by golly, you can suck a lollipop inside, but you can't smoke a cigarette inside. So it was much more often. And I was like, hey, like you're replacing one bad habit with another. So I, I think we can see that mm -hmm. is like you things don't exist in a vacuum. Something has to be filled, you know, like if there's a power vacuum in a country, it has to be filled mm -hmm. and it, it will be filled. And well, and you can see the reflection of it now. Yeah. Where. A lot of people are no longer recognizing truth and freedom of speech as the top thing. What's more important is psychological well-being yep. and things like that. So and not being once, offended and being comfortable. Right, and once that becomes more desirable for people than being uncomfortable but having truth, mm -hmm. truth needs to get they need to get rid of truth yeah. necessarily. And well, and that's just the dangerous road we go down. Mm -hmm. And again, I, I know I harp on it a lot, but like, that's why we have the rights we have. And mm -hmm. it, it goes, freedom of speech is number one, because guess what freedom of speech allows you to do? Say the truth. Well, and I think it's hard because it's like what we talked about, how when things are made more abstract as ideas, they're more vulnerable. Mm -hmm. It's the same thing where if, if the people that wrote the constitution learned the hard way yeah. that you need freedom of speech. Yeah. 
and we've had 200 plus years with freedom of speech, yep. man, it's easy to forget how important it is. Oh, well, and dude, it's just exactly what I was talking about, like with King Solomon mm-hmm. and wanting temporary satisfaction and giving into like these temptations and stuff. Well, I want to go down this, these 100 rabbit holes before I say I'm a Christian. Or I want to go to anything. I want to mm-hmm. go down 100 rabbit holes before I find the solution. Okay, well, look, dude, somebody smarter than you has already done it. Mm-hmm. I promise. So when the founding fathers said freedom of speech is the number one most important thing, it wasn't because I like offending people. No, it was because they came from a tyrannical ruler where freedom of speech wasn't allowed mm-hmm. and the truth wasn't valued. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's what Jesus talks about. And even if it was valued, it wasn't protected. No, it, but that's exactly what Jesus talks about mm-hmm. is being truthful. I, I mean, I, I think we can see a hundred ways to Sunday spiritually emotionally psychologically logically Mm -hmm. physically the truth needs to be said it needs to be one of the most important things and that's why it's on the top of the list even if it's uncomfortable even if it exposes you to the unknown it's the only one of the only redemptive things you can get yeah well i mean even saying the truth when it's hard like hey i i broke your favorite mug yeah it dude at least you were honest with Mm -hmm. me and then if you lie about it you pretend like you don't even, even if it's just the lie of omission, you pretend you don't know about it. Mm-hmm. You're still worrying about that the whole time. And that's something you have to remember later. It's something you have to keep track of. It sucks. Yeah. So that's kind of the thing. That's why he thinks it's so important that we don't uh, forget about that stuff. Yeah. Um. So, oh. yeah, let me, do you have anything else before I hit us with a question? Um. Guns, God, and glory. Wow, fair enough. Yeah. Okay. Truth. Wait. How many times do I? How many times can I say it? Tell the truth. 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 That's five. Nice. And that means it's really important. Yeah, I think that's how it works. Because that's what we talked about last episode. Yes. And that's important. Yes. Isn't it like twenty-one days until something becomes a habit? Mm. Wake up every morning. Just say, "Tell the truth." Twenty-one days in a row. That's pretty good. Yeah. Okay. Let's hit, let me hit this with a question. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Jordan Peterson says that in order to prevent the evils and atrocities of the 20th century from happening again, we need to be willing to accept with humility that we do not know everything and we need to be willing to learn from new experiences. Is this a sufficient solution to removing evil from the world? Profound. Yeah. Tune in next week to find out. Uh, we'll or, be... you know, comment down below and yep. give us your answer. And Let you us might know. be the lucky guy or gal. Yep. We'll go over what someone says. Mm-hmm. Maybe we'll give some of our opinions about it. Or we'll, we'll get... give some of our opinions. We'll get Jordan Peterson's opinion about it. Yeah, because he's going to be in the next episode. It's a Skype call. Yeah. So, all right, guys. Thanks for watching. I hope you enjoyed. Mm-hmm. Uh, have a good week. Have a good week. Don't have... lie. Don't lie. And know your rights and tell the truth. Yeah. Which I know is like, don't lie, but also like, tell the truth. Both are, yeah. No reason not to say Don't lie, tell the truth, know your rights, and support the truth above all else. Yes. Which is Christ, but. Yep. The truth, capital T-T, Christ, capital C. All right, guys. Have a good week. Have a great week. Thanks again for watching. This has been Lessons Learned. Goodbye. Bye.